What I'd like to do is actually open the Word with you today, and I want you to take it with me, and we're going to look at a couple of verses in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 10, and uh, we're going to read this wonderful story that highlights the importance of just gathering under the teaching and ministry of Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, we're going to read about Mary and Martha and the time that they had Jesus over. So look with me here at Luke chapter 10. I'll just read this passage for you to follow along with. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Would you pray with me? Our God, as we talked here a moment ago about how, as a church family, we we bear responsibility to be hospitable to our guests, It's in this passage of Scripture that we see hospitality being extended to the Son of God, Jesus Himself. And what a great picture this is, that everyone in this room can identify with being a stranger, off in the distance, and yet out of your love, you welcomed us into your family through Jesus' death, and resurrection on our part. And so that we get to call you Father, and we get to call one another brother or sister. And in this passage of Scripture, we see something that could be happening just this last Thursday in our lives, where there are a well-intended person that is serving. And while she is doing something good, the way that she is doing it is, is bad. And it's underscoring the significance of just taking time to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his words. So would you help us right now to do just that, to be able to calm our minds, our hearts, and just to be prepared to hear what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I intentionally have a very simple message today. Oftentimes when you come in, there's a, an outline in your bulletin that has a whole bunch of points and a whole bunch of applications. If you tried to retrieve that outline today, you'll see that there's just one point. And that's intentional. Because I think there's just one central point that we want to get across today. And if later this week I were to ask you, what was the message about? And you could come up with that one point. 
That would be awesome for me. Maybe you can bring up the, the sermon outline or at least the title for me. Let us look at this passage together. We're beginning now in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And all we're going to do is look at this phrase by phrase. It says here in verse 38, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So as we look here at verse 38, there's a few nuggets that we want to just pause on. The first thing we see is Jesus is walking to a village. We'll find out that he's going to be in Mary and Martha's home. We could look at another passage in the Gospel of John and find out that this village is named Bethany, just a few miles from Jerusalem. In fact, in John chapter 11, verse 1, Bethany is identified as Mary's village. This passage contains a story of two sisters. The younger sister is Mary, and it could be that the reason that John identified Bethany as Mary's village is because that Mary was a social butterfly and that she knew everyone and that everyone knew her. In fact, it's possible that they not only knew her and Bethany, but people knew that that is the village in which Mary lived. She was a people person. But if we look a little further in verse 38, we'll see that she has a sister And this sister's name is Martha. You'll notice here that Martha welcomed, that is, welcomed Jesus into her house. While the village might be associated with Mary, the house is associated with the older sister, Martha. And it could be that whereas Mary was a people person, Martha was task-driven. And she was one that got a lot done while Mary hung out with a lot of people. And you'll see here that Martha is doing something very admirable, in fact, biblical. She is extending hospitality to Jesus himself. Romans chapter 12, verse 13, it says, Seek to show hospitality. One of the qualifications of a leader in the church or an elder is that this is one that opens his and his family's home frequently to strangers, to guests, and to, to be able to share love with them, to pray with them, to provide guidance for them. Martha is doing just that. Unless you think that Martha is just some sort of a novice, she is a true follower of Jesus. In fact, if you were to try to find the most succinct a definition of who Jesus is in all of the Gospels, you would have to look at what Martha said of Jesus in John chapter 11, verse 27, when she said, I believe that you, Jesus, are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now what we see here in verse 38 is there is Martha, the older sister, and she is opening her home to Jesus. Our family loves to open our homes to people within the church or outside the church. And I think there's a lot of people within Highland Crest that love to do the same. One thing I've learned about this hospitality thing is it does require some prep, some work. 
And for me, it begins on Friday or Saturday as I drive into the driveway and I look over here at a a deflated basketball or a couple of footballs or some soccer balls, some bikes, some scooters, and I think to myself, we got a couple of options. We either need to clean out the garage or we need to shut the garage door that when our guests show that they don't see it. When, when we move a little bit further onto our front porch, this is a place that tends to collect stuff all week long. And there are shoes, not just a few pairs of shoes, but there are seven of us in our family. And it's not unusual to see a pair of shoes, a pair of cleats, some sandals, between 20 and 25 pairs of shoes on that front porch. And so they all have to be uh, stacked neatly across to make it look like we're always like that, you know, for a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> And then when you come through the front door, uh, we make sure that all of our furniture is, uh, it matches the, the settings on the wall. Hopefully there's some scripture that, that is pointing people to Jesus. And where there's burn stains or dark stains in our carpet, we want to make sure that we hide them from you. In addition to that, we have some strategic closets or space under our beds that in a jam, we can quickly throw stuff in there to make it look like everything is clean like this all the time. In addition to that, perhaps you take it a next step further where you have separate cookware or you have separate dinnerware where there's not only dishes, but there's also forks. Not just one type of fork, but a dinner fork, a dessert fork, a salad fork. And you not only have cups, but you have goblets and and a cup with saucer for coffee for later. And perhaps you have platters that all match. And then we haven't even started talking about the food yet, have we? Because then there is the food that has to be served, and some of it needs to be warm, and some of it needs to be cold, and it has to be just right. Now, I would remind you that while Jesus is showing up, at Martha's home, he would not have come alone, would he have? Likely he would have had 12 disciples with him. Now it's one thing to cook for one person or a few, but it's quite another to cook for all of these grown men. And I suspect that Martha was not just about the taste of food, but like some of you, it's all about the presentation, isn't it? The mashed potatoes need to have a certain swirl on the top. That's right, the salad, if it's pulled off right, can look like a Picasso painting at the very top. The fruit salad is to be color-coordinated with the other uh, items on the table. And then the cheesecake. Now, you can't go to Costco or Sam's for such a thing. You have to make it homemade. And the, the chocolate um, sauce that is spread over top needs to be perfectly symmetrical. Now, are you feeling this a little bit? Are some of you, like me, your blood pressure is actually going up when you think about hosting such an event, and now she is hosting Jesus Christ at this moment. So that is Martha. Now let's review with Mary here in verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. 
Now, before we just dive into verse 39, I think it'd be helpful to provide a little historical backdrop for ladies. Because lest you think that this Mary or any other first century Jewish woman had the same rights and privileges of an American woman in 2021, you are sadly mistaken. Women during this first century were not even permitted all access to the temple. There were areas of which they were restricted while other men could go to those areas. A woman's role was primarily to have babies and to stay at home. In fact, one Jewish resource said that a man at the end of his day would offer a a prayer of thanksgiving. And of all the things he would thank God for, on that list, he would thank God that he was not a woman. A woman didn't even have the right to call for a divorce. A man, a man only would do that. A woman's place in the first century, was in the kitchen. And where do we see the younger sister, Mary, but at the feet of Jesus? This was a place that was reserved for disciples, for students. In fact, we could look at Acts chapter 22, verse 3, where Paul said of himself that he was educated at the feet of Gamil. And that's where we see Mary. If we were to pause and say, let's just do a character study here of Mary and let's trace her throughout the New Testament, we would see that this isn't the only time she's at the feet of Jesus. When her brother died, Lazarus, and Jesus came upon the scene, Mary dashes out to Jesus and falls at his feet. In John 11, and then in John 12, verse 3, there is Jesus in this home, and here comes the same Mary with this expensive ointment at Jesus' feet, applying that ointment to his feet and wiping it with her own hair. Mary here in this passage has determined that her place is at the feet of Jesus. Martha has determined that Mary's place is in the kitchen. And so at this point, in verse 40, we see some tension beginning to rise. It says in verse 40, But Martha was distracted with much serving. At this point, the temperature in the dining room was beginning to go up. Not because someone had manipulated the thermostat, but because the older sister was getting upset. And she had this Heat vision, something like Superman has, that was directing this gaze towards her little sister Mary to try to burn her up. And in the process, everyone else could tell there was some tension in the air. And if they couldn't see it, very likely they could have heard it as Martha would have went back into the kitchen and begin to collide some pots and pans together to let everyone know in the house that everything wasn't just right slamming dishes into the sink, slamming the cupboard door shut, coming out into the dining area with the serving trays and the dishes and not gently setting them on the table, but with aggressive thrust, pressing them down on the table, making sure that everyone in that house knew that she was upset. 
Now, this Martha is, is really quite a lady because it says here in verse 40, did I say to you that she was the oldest? And I don't know how many younger siblings there are here this morning, but maybe you would say amen to this, that a lot of times the older siblings have a way about them. Well, let's just say it the way it is. They think they're boss. (laughs) And they'll pull the card out, and when mom and dad are gone running an errand or maybe even on a date night, they make it very clear that they are in charge. And I think we see that right here in Martha. Now, she wouldn't have the guts, would she, to try to boss Jesus around? Well, let's look what our question is here in verse 40. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Listen, tell her then to help me. Martha now is letting off some steam. Not only is the pressure cooker in the kitchen letting off some steam, she is letting off some steam that she is in this project of hospitality and she's going at it alone and she feels frustrated that her little sister Mary is not helping at all. So she comes to Jesus and says, don't you even care? Her anger and frustration has so clouded her judgment that she is accusing Jesus of not even caring at this moment. By the way, This is not an isolated incident for Martha. If you remember in John chapter 11, when their brother, Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, had died, Jesus had intentionally waited a few days, and then he goes to where Lazarus was. And then as uh, Martha sees Jesus, do you remember what Martha said to Jesus? He goes up to him, and, and says to her, says to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. Translation, where were you? If you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Good thing you showed up now. He's already gone. Does anyone know any Marthas? Does anyone have them in their family? <laughs> Don't raise your hand, okay? How many of you are married to Martha? But let me, just, let me just identify how Jesus responds to this woman. And how would you respond? If ever there were a time to put Martha in her place, it's now, right? But consider what Jesus says, and I want to say it's with this tone in verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. I believe there's a tender tone in Jesus' voice at that moment. Is what Martha is doing at this moment, the act of extending hospitality to Jesus and his followers, is this a good work? It absolutely is. She is doing the right thing, but she's doing it in the wrong way. Can we just be honest this morning? 
Has that happened to anyone this week? Right? I mean, we know the things that we are supposed to do, but we often do them in the flesh rather than in the Spirit. And so Jesus is saying to Martha, listen, you are anxious and troubled about many things. It's possible at that moment, as he used the word many, that perhaps he was pointing at the dishes. Maybe he was pointing at the dessert fork or the salad fork. Maybe he was pointing at the salad bowl that at one time looked so wonderful. It was a a piece of art. But now there was just one piece of lettuce in there right now. Maybe he was looking at the dessert uh, plate that at one time had this great cheesecake, but now there were just a few crumbs. And he is saying, listen, Martha, what you've done today is wonderful. You have served an exquisite meal. The home here looks nice. You've extended warm hospitality to all of us. But there's something you're missing here. You've been concerned about all this stuff. Maybe, by the way, I I should insert this just on a personal note that I don't want to portray at all this thought that if uh, people are invited to our home that we bring out the fine china or anything like that. I mean, if we like you, We'll, we'll, we'll give you paper plates, right? <laughs> and in terms of forks, you, you just, you just gotta find yourself one. We're, I don't even know where the forks are. Sometimes they're in the back porch. Sometimes they're in the playground being used as a pitchfork or something like that. And if you want a cup, a fancy goblet or something like that, uh, there's a, there's some mason jars up, you know, up in the cupboard and, or some red solo cups, you know, that we will sometimes use. Um, because we're, we just can't get too concerned about all these many things here that, that is bothering and causing Martha to be anxious. Now, I think I also want to say before I move on to verse 42 that there's nothing wrong with honoring some guests with some nice stuff, is there? I don't know that. We've been the recipient of that, and we feel very cherished in doing that. So the issue is not the hospitality that's being offered but it's the way in which it's being done by Martha. She's just lost sight of really trying to honor Jesus. And she's broke really the one fundamental rule of hospitality, right? And that is she's created an awkward moment and she's made her guest of honor feel very awkward. And she's trying to bring Jesus in the family court and say, Jesus, would you settle this dispute between me and my little sister? Would you put the judge's robe? Would you grasp the gavel? And would you lay down a ruling here? And listen, Jesus is about ready to do that. But his ruling is going to surprise Martha. Because what he is going to say is that one of these sisters is in the wrong location, but it's not Mary. It's Martha. Look at verse 42. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Once again, we could do a little word study on that word 
one. There's a lot of things that you're concerned about, Martha, but there is one, one thought, one priority, one emphasis that Mary has, and it's to be at my feet to listen to my words. The psalmist said in Psalm 27, verse 4, One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all my days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In Luke chapter 18, verse 22, Jesus said to the rich young ruler, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, he says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now listen, Martha, we really appreciate all the work you did. You got the yard picked up. The garage looks nice. The front porch is straight. When we came in, hey, we noticed all the furniture matches. We couldn't help but notice the place settings. Thank you for all of that. But have you noticed that we ate your meal 30 to 45 minutes and it's all gone? And we thank you for that. But did you notice your sister? Did you notice where your sister has been? She's been at my feet listening to the word. And what she's emphasized, the last part of verse 42, will not be taken away. Do you see, Martha? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. My father said in Isaiah 55, verse 11, my word by that which goes from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And man shall not live by bread alone, Martha, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what do we do with this story? What is the application? And, and studying this and listening to messages this week, so often I heard that there is tension here between worship and service. I think maybe one way of doing this is to say, let's create two columns. This is what Martha did, and this is what Mary did. Don't be like Martha, be like Mary. And we make this a moral lesson. But I don't think that's how we ought to interpret this passage. First of all, I praise God for Martha's. We need Martha's. Would you consider for a moment what this auditorium would look like if we didn't have any Martha's? Well, it would look exactly what it looked like last week, right? Because no one would have came in here and cleaned. And if you would have looked through the chair in front of you, and you look through all the trash that's been left there for the last few years, you'd probably find a bulletin from Christmas of 2021, right? Stains would remain on the carpet. There would be dust everywhere. Not only consider what it would look like without Martha's, but would you please consider with me what it would sound like without Martha's? 
Because Martha's serving in the nursery today. And without Martha, it'd be a lot more loud in the auditorium. They'd be running it up and down these uh, aisles more than what they usually do, right? What would we have even offered Vacation Bible School this month? Would we even have a men's breakfast on Saturday? Here's my point. We need doers. In fact, if you look at the context here of Luke chapter 10, you see doers. The first 12 verses, Jesus sends out 72 of his followers to do the work of the ministry. And then just the passage leading up to where we began this morning is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And and the Good Samaritan in verses 33 and 34 are held up as an example. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn to take care of him. Thank God for that, that Martha or that Mark, right? He was doing the work of the ministry. The whole book of James is about if you say you have faith, Show me your work so we need doers, don't we? And so some would say, well, there's a tension here between Martha and Mary or worship and service. But I don't, I don't think there is a tension. I think they actually, they, one flows into the other. So here's the one point. Here's the one point of the whole message today. Maybe you can help me with that slide. Before we work, we are to spend time in the Word. I think we're to look at what Mary was doing, sitting at the feet of Jesus, being fed by Him, and then serve. But if what we do is we just go out and begin to serve with our hands without our heart being in it. That leads to being anxious and troubled about many things. So here's the application today. Are you spending time in the Word on a regular basis that propels you then to do the work of the ministry? I'd remind you the position that that Mary found herself in in verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat, a picture of submission, at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. God, I want you to speak to me today, and I'm going to submit to whatever you say. Martha, That's where you should have been. And I think now that Mary is fed, I believe she'll help you kind of clean up the place because she has been nourished with the Word of God. So let's apply this real quickly in two different ways. One, we need to consider the local church. We exist to know Jesus and to make Jesus known. And one of our four emphasis is that we would be biblically saturated. That is, in everything we do, we want to have priority for the written Word of God. 
So we need to be here to hear the Word of God. And while we've made advances in technology since COVID, and I'm so grateful for the people that not only got this equipment, but they've installed it and maintained it. There is still no substitute, loved ones, to being present to hear the Word of God preached. And you know what? Let's just be honest. In my years of ministry, I've observed this, that on those days that I serve as an usher, on those days that I serve on the Welcome Center, on those days when I'm the deacon of the week, That's the days I'm coming to church. Or the days in which I am called responsible for bringing a lesson in Sunday school. That's the day I'm coming. But loved ones, what about every other Sunday? When you're not on, we need to be under the teaching of God's Word. It is so central to the New Testament church that if you remember your history that as the gospel was advancing in the book of Acts, the word was being proclaimed and there were being followers more and more that were coming to join the big church that a good problem happened. Do you remember? There were widows that were being neglected. And here were these men that were given over to the study and prayer of looking at God's word and preparing sermons that they had to divide their time from giving it up, from studying and preaching the word to taking care of the needs in the church. And the leader said, this is not good because we need to prioritize the word so much that we can be fed this. So they instituted an entirely new office called servants, deacons, that would free us up to be able to hear the Word of God proclaimed on a regular basis. This morning, at the end of our service, we're going to have an opportunity to vote for three new deacons, and that's their responsibility. So here it is. Before we work, we are to spend time in the Word, so we want to do that as a church. But secondly, we want to do that in our personal life as well. If I were to say to you, there is one event in your life, that if you would make it a habit from this day forward, even 20 minutes a day, it will forever change your life and impact your eternity. Would you want to know what that was? Here it is. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, spending time reading his word, praying that God would help you to apply it. This will change your life. And how many of you can testify to that and say, it has changed my life as well? That's right. That's right. So in your bulletin today, I'm not wanting just to preach to you, but I want to equip you as well. It came with a handout. And it said, how to have a holy hour. Okay, well, how am I to do this? Now, I confess to you, this uh, was not printed out right. I printed it out, and you could tell that I did because it's not printed out right. But there are 11 different things here that we can do during this, what we'll call, a quiet time. Now, if you want to have a holy hour, you can just take this and do five minutes per each one of these. Well, this morning, that might seem overwhelming to you. 
But if you would just take one minute or two minutes for each of these, you'll find out how quickly and how fruitful it can be just to carve out 15 to 20 minutes of your day and give it to the Lord. So you see confession begin there. Spend some time praising God. Wait for Him. What would He might say to you using His Word? Go to the Word. Enter time of intercession and supplication. Offer up prayers to Him. Have some thanksgiving. Take some time to sing a hymn or a a more new song. Meditate on some truths. Take time to listen. Go to the Psalms and praise. I know just taking this time to do this can make all the difference in your life. Now, you don't have to do this one, but there's just just a suggestion for you to do. As we look at the book of Revelation, one of those churches was busy all about activities. They were like Martha, but they had left their first love. This whole summer, we've been working through a series on personal revival using the book Seeking Him. And today we we conclude that series. So how is it possible that we can live in this personal revival into the fall and into the winter? Well, it comes back to spending time daily with God in His Word, praying, confessing sin, reviewing these things that we covered this summer. As I conclude, I can't help but think of a little illustration with my family. We have a busy life, and I'm so grateful for all the busyness of of our life. But a lot of times, I go to bed a little bit earlier, and Melody goes to bed late. She's trying to get the house straightened or taking care of some things in preparation for school. And I tell you, the sweetest part of my day is the early mornings when the boys are still sleeping and I just get a few moments with my wife. I usually make the coffee first, she does, and it's just a few sentences just to check in with one another. And it does something for my heart towards her, does something for our marriage, just to stay connected, even if it's not a long part of our day, but it's just a priority for us. And if that's true, as much as I think my wife is sweet and precious, how much more for Jesus, who is perfect, who is our Savior, who is our Lord. We need, like Mary, to take time to be with Jesus. Here's what I'd like you to do is just take a time of prayer. This isn't something that I'm saying you... um, I'm trying to beat you up about today. This is something in the same way that I delight to go to my wife. This would be something that you delight to go to Jesus every day. Would you do that? I wonder if you'd be willing as we pray to say, I, by the grace of God, for the next 30 days, will commit to reading some of the Scripture. It could be that you would just take a book of Proverbs. I think today's the 21st day. If you're not reading the Bible, just say, The day of the week, I'm going to go to the book of Proverbs. I'm just going to read that proverb, and then I'm going to pray. Would you be willing to take the time now in this prayer and say, I will, by the grace of God, for the next 30 days, commit to getting in the Word daily. And You know what will happen, I think, after 30 days? It will become a habit for you, and you would miss it if you don't have it.
So let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this time that we have. What a great little word picture here of people that were active and also active in worship. And I can confess to you that there's been more than a few times where I've been like Martha, just irritated and and, and doing the work in my own efforts. And I didn't take the time to just be with you, to be fed, to have my soul nourished by you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take a look at our week this coming week and say, let me take time. Let me take time to be with you. And then, Father, I pray that there would be people here today that say, by your grace, by your help, I'm going to commit to the next 30 days. This is something new to me. It would be a new habit for me. But I'm going to take a portion of the Scriptures, and I'm just going to read it and apply it as you enable me. In Jesus' name, amen.